and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, folks, I'm back. This is Brother Frank, and we're here for another episode on the Remnant Call. And I'll tell you what, I feel blessed to be here. I feel um, that, you know, there's a lot of things we could be doing right now in this world. There's a lot of places, there's a a lot of um, things that we all desire to do, but there's nothing better in the walk with God than witnessing and sharing the love of Jesus and the warning that God is coming soon with his people. Uh, Folks, I can't think of anything else right now that is more important than when we live is that we share uh, about Jesus soon uh, coming because, you know, the last thing you want to do is wake up and realize it's too late. It's too late. You know, in the book of Daniel, there, there comes a time where there is a line in the sand that's drawn, and, and let him who's wicked be wicked still, and let him who's be righteous be righteous still. This will eventually come to an end. All the warnings that we've heard will eventually happen. All of the things we've been told about will eventually come to pass. My question is, will you wait until it's too late? Or will you make a change today? Folks, this is not, not a good hour that we live in. And I know there's a lot. Let's, let's just talk about the real thing right now. Let's talk about Frank. They've been telling us for years that Jesus is coming. And I agree. I heard it when I was young. Your parents heard it when they were young. Your grandparents heard it when they were young. And so on and so on. And yes, it is true. It has been told for a long time. But the interesting thing about it is, is that God said eventually this will come. In a future generation, when he talked about it in the words, when he gave visions and he talked about this will come in a future generation, Daniel, seal up the sum of the vision, for it is a time of the end. And a lot of times on much of the modern-day Bible prophecy we had, even there was a big, you know, a great awakening that happened during the 1800s. And there were a lot of people that came to, to the knowledge of the Lord. And there was a lot of biblical interpretation. And, and people really started to see some wonderful insights into the Bible. But the things that they couldn't see as happening back then, they took them as spiritual. They could never see that Israel would become a nation again. They couldn't see the mark of the beast actually being something physical. It was just in your thoughts and your forehead and your your right hand being your action. It was spiritual. And I agree with that. But now we see the technology that they couldn't see back then. We see the things that were 
that people only could look at in a spiritual manner now is coming to pass literal. And so today the Bible is more alive than it has ever been. And you know what I'm finding out? It is so literal in so many places that we thought it was spiritual only. And folks, I don't want to discount the spiritual because there's always a spiritual word in the word of God, something that's deep. There, there's a rhema word, something that's it's a, a higher calling to understand that underlying meaning. But the truth is, I'm finding out more and more that the things that God said are going to come to pass just like he said they were. And now the Bible says when we see all these things come to pass, and I've, I've been told that, and I've, I've looked in some, uh, you know, in as much as I can understand in the original language, which I'm not a, a scholar, so I have to rely on other resources. But it's when you see all these things happening at the same time. Yes, there will always be pestilence, and there will always be earthquakes, and there will always be these things happening here and there. But when they all begin to happen at the same time is what we're seeing now. We are living truly in the time of the end. And I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but if you didn't hear last week's program, you are missing out. Because last week's program was a shocker. It literally floored me. Now, I love Brother Benjamin. I thank God that he wrote the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. The Lord used it in 1999 to pull me out of the most wretched sin you could possibly imagine, save my life and family in one day. And, and I am always thankful. And I've, and I've been you know, around and listening to Brother Benjamin's stuff and been friends with him. Uh, I met him in 99, right after I'd gotten uh, saved. And so I've, I've known him for quite a long time. But the call that came in at the end of the show last week, it shook me hard. You know, there are, there's a lot of good people out there uh, that are saying, you know, good things about God. And there's always somebody claiming that they've got a new, fresh word from the Lord. But folks, when a person is under conviction, now I'll tell you, that's something different. I've heard a lot of people say things, and sometimes I think, ah, you're, you're so flippant about it. There's no respect for the Word of God. You just seem to just spout it off whenever you feel like it, and, and it doesn't really line up with what God says. Or, or you know, one of the indicators I always, you know, kind of gets me questioning is when someone speaks out and, and, and says, well, I have a word from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, in thine whatever. You know, it's like, hey, folks, God speaks in modern-day language today. Okay, now I'm a King James reader myself, but I understand God knows how to speak in modern day English. And, okay, and so I, I see these things and I begin to question, but when I hear somebody that is under conviction, and I'll tell you, the lady who called in at the end of last week was under conviction. And I want to play it for you tonight. It's a very short little clip, and I want to talk about it a little bit because I feel like God is throwing everything, even the kitchen sink at us to save his children. But are we listening? I'm going to play just a, uh, an excerpt of this. Let's see. Hopefully the volume's not too awful loud for you. Let's check this out. Hello? Yes, sir. Hi. Um, it's my first time to call. Uh, I've been wanting to write an email to Benjamin Baruch, and I got his three books. Sir, um, I feel I have been feel so alone in my area because the church where I attend to is the Pentecostal, but they're not making Jesus Christ as the center of the church, and and I left the church 
and all I'm doing is just doing self-study and praying to God. I have the books of Brother Benjamin, the Day of the Lord, in my hand right now, out of the darkness and the new tactics of global war. And I strongly believe that God has led me to him and to your show. I'm kind of really scared talking to you guys. Um, I just want to share my my dream since last year, sir. I wrote it down, but I've been hearing the voice of the Lord, especially in my dream, and has shown me a lot in my dream. Um, the the first one, when he told me audibly, he said, uh, I will be sending, uh, I will gather my people to the four corners of the earth. It's very loud. Uh, and second one, he said, Vladimir Putin will be sending a long-range missile. So I was, I really need a prayer what God is telling me on this. Could you repeat the second dream? I didn't, I couldn't quite make out what you um, said. Sir? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Um, okay. The Lord said, um, Vladimir Putin will be sending a long-range missiles. And, sir, I've been seeing a lot of dreams. Now, who a will send the missile? Was that Putin? You said, said Putin? She said Vladimir Putin. Okay, Vladimir Russia. Putin. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. And um, God, the Lord also showed me, Brother Benjamin, um, an asteroid. It's so vivid that I'm scared it impacted the earth. And he also said audibly, I will turn the earth upside down. And I saw yeah. the earth, and, and he showed me a triangle inverted. And, sir, you are a true servant of God. And I just want to say that when I was talking to the Lord, he, he, he let me feel his pain and anguish because the church right now, it's mostly a ministry of flesh, and there's no anguish. And mm. as, as you said, you are right. The Lord deserves more from us. He was murdering the cross for our sins, and the Lord deserves right. more from us. And Brother Benjamin, you are right, and I know the Lord is near. And I've seen a tsunami. I have seen this asteroid. I have seen two long-range missiles coming from Korea, one hit a civilian group and one the military. Mm-hmm. I, I have written a lot to her and, and thank God I was able to participate in your show. I'm really shy to talk, but in my heart, with all my heart, I'm telling that God has told me audibly Amen. He will gather his people to the four corners of the earth. He is here, and Vladimir Putin will be sending a long-range missile. Right. Sorry, Absolutely. Yes, sir. I'm shaking up just hearing that again. I don't know about you folks, but when a person's under conviction, it's a powerful thing. Now, I was blessed to be able to reach out and talk with this lady a little bit, and she sent me... Uh, an email with some things that the Lord had shown her. And, and I'd asked her if I could share some things with some close friends. And she said, yes, but I don't know if I have permission yet to share everything on this program. So I, I, I've asked maybe if she could come on in the future and share a little bit more. Um, but just to recap what she had sent, that God had shown her that, that he was going to turn this earth upside down. He, she had said that she saw an inverted pyramid outside of the earth and uh, this is exactly what she said. He showed me the earth 
and outside the earth was an inverted pyramid, and he said, I will turn the earth upside down. The second audible voice in my dream, this is where she first started out. He said, I will gather my people from the four corners of the earth. And he followed it with another word. And this is what it said. Vladimir Putin will be sending a long range missile. Then she said the most dreadful part. The Lord showed me a big asteroid in space and it's coming the size of an enormous uh, and the size is enormous and it will have a very strong impact on the earth. He let me experience the size and impact I can hardly breathe when I woke up. The tsunami and the asteroid made me sick thinking of it for months. I wonder if this is the coming of Wormwood in the book of Revelation. Now, folks, that's, that was a heavy word. And, and I'm not endorsing I, I, or nor denying anything that this woman is saying, but I'm simply sharing that I felt she was under conviction, and this deserves some prayer because this seems to line up with exactly what the Word of God said. He did say in the book of Isaiah that he's going to turn the earth upside down. He did say through many other people, even today, that there is a nuclear holocaust. And if you look in the book of Zechariah, when he talks about that great scroll that is flying across the air, I believe Zechariah was trying to describe in the terms that he knew and understand that the men's eyes would be, you know, basically absorbed right out of the sockets would be dissolved. God is trying to wake up his church and, and he needs us to be doing something. And here this woman calls almost in tears, about brought me to tears too, even just hearing it again, shook me up again because I see the love of God trying to reach out to his people. And wondering if we were going to actually do something about it. Are we actually going to make a difference in this world? Or are we simply just going to be warned and sit still in our chairs? God is warning the church to stop. Stop sitting in the pew. Stop sitting in your home. Stop just only complaining about what people aren't doing. It's time to make a difference. Are you willing? And here this woman calls in, visibly, I mean, I mean not, not visibly, but she's trembling at the word that she spoke, because that's what happened when they heard from the word. That's what Brother Benjamin was talking about. When he had heard from the word, he was trembling for seven days. He couldn't even hardly move. He was so frightful. And I've asked Benjamin if he could come on in the future and, and share this testimony. He hasn't given it in, in many, many years. And, and he said that he would. And, and, it's, and I'll tell you, folks, I heard it years ago. It is so serious. And God doesn't want us to fear through this, these times that are coming. He wants us to be, to be ready. But the only way we cannot fear is if we fall into his arms and we hide ourselves into his perfect love. And so tonight's show is about a warning. And I'm just going to stop for a second. I just need to, we just need to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, help me, Lord. Lord, may I now decrease, remove all my flesh, and forgive all my sins, Lord, as I speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, folks, there's so much warning today. I have so many good friends that are sensing that something is wrong. They are warning. God is speaking. The Word of God is alive. We are seeing things that are going on, and we see the prophecy that's going on around the world. And, and folks may say, well, it just keeps continuing on. Folks, I'm trying to tell you, we are such a morally deprived nation. 
We have fallen into such utter sin as a nation. That alone should be a warning. As in the days of Lot, we are living in the times of Lot. When we are in such a sexual immorality as a nation that folks and the people are being tempted and tried all over in, in what used to be wrong. I mean, even these shows, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I like to watch America's Got Talent. I don't have cable, but sometimes we ch- catch the reruns out. And then I had to watch a transgender come on and everybody's sitting there like it's just OK. And it's not OK. It's not OK. It's not proper behavior, but we're being drilled and beaten into our heads that this is okay behavior, and it's not. And my question is, what are we going to do about this? Well, we can sit here and just simply cry out about what's wrong. We can simply sit here and talk about it every week in and week in and week out and, and say what's wrong. And that's the, the Remnant Call is a program we, we warn about what's going on, but we also are here to strengthen the body to make a change, to make a difference. And here I see God's loving grace and mercy trying to reach out, trying to make a difference. And I'm so concerned that there's so many people that are, that are hearing about it, but they're not doing anything about it. And I want to turn as I begin this show this evening over to a familiar passage that you've You've heard many, many times, it's in the book of Revelation, you remember the story of the Laodicean church, and I want to look at that again for a moment this evening, because I, I think there's maybe an insight or two we can get from that message that can that help us to see that what God is asking, what he's, what he's truly wanting from his, his body in these last days, and, and so he starts out and Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And unto the angel in the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So when, then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, anybody that knows the history of this area knows that they were known for their great water works and their cisterns around here. And, and folks, when water would not be moving, when water would get gathered and it would get lukewarm in these cisterns here in the Laodicean area and, these, and, the, and, and where it would gather, it would begin to get bacteria in it. And I'll tell you, folks, it will make you sick. And, and so here God's saying, you know what, you can't, in, you keep talking about everything you're doing, but you can't decide which side of the fence you're on. You don't know whether you're coming or whether you're going. You keep talking about the things of God, but you aren't doing much about it. And God says, you know what, if you're going to sit there, I'm going to spew you out of, your mouth, out of my mouth because you're making me sick. You're making me sick. And so he continues on. And this is why, though. He says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? And so the problem at the Laodicean church, the problem sometimes even in the remnant, the problem in sometimes in even those listening to this program, is that they think that everything's okay. 
They think because they know and understand. They think because maybe they listen to Alex Jones and they hear all this talk about what's going on all the time that they're informed of what's going on in the world, not understanding that they're completely lost because all they can do is sit there and look at what's wrong with the world and talk about every single conspiracy that's going on and they haven't done anything about it in their own lives. Their faith, their walk with God is a complete, utter sham and it's a vanity. Because they have done nothing but just talk about it and listen to it, and they have not gone out and done a single thing for the kingdom of God to make a difference in it. And so God's saying, you know what your problem is? You think you're okay, and you're not okay. You're completely lost. And he continues on. I counsel to thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. So here God, in his lovingness towards the church in Laodicea, they're completely lost. They think everything's going all right. But God says, you're so lost, you can't even see it. You're blind to your own sin. God's saying, I'm counseling you to buy from me gold tried in the fire. God's reaching out and saying, look, turn back to me. Grab the holy things of God. Come back to me, and, and I want you to be close so that God can purify them and get this nasty stuff out of them. Because when you try gold in the fire, the dross, the filth, everything, it begins to fall away. And the pure, clean gold comes out. But the problem is they're living a mixed life. They think they have gems of gold, but it's filled full of impurities. God says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. This is the part that blows me away about this verse. God gives this stiff rebuke to the church of Laodicea. I would say he gives a stiff rebuke to the church in the United States of America. You could probably just put the USA in there for Laodicea because it's an accurate description of a lot of the churches in our country. And so here he gives the stick rebuke, and he's so fed up because they're so, so bad. He says, I'm ready to spew you out of your, my mouth. I can't hardly take you anymore. And then he finishes up and says, look, even though you're completely lost, I'm still knocking at the door. I'm not willing that you should perish. I love you so much that even though you're completely lost and you haven't done a thing about it and you're a great complainer, and yeah, maybe you show up to a prayer meeting here and there, and you, maybe you do, you know, your, you know, your three uh, prayers a day keeps the devil away, whatever it is, and God's saying, listen, I'm not giving up. I'm still beating down your door. There's a lot of people tonight. They're feeling the knock, but they just can't seem to let the Lord in. These are trying times, folks. There's a lot of people that are suffering right now. There's a lot of people that are struggling. And God's knocking hard at the door. The church in Laodicea is definitely a picture of many of us if we will be real with ourselves. We've made the promises. We've told God we would. And we ended up didn't. 
and we didn't keep our end of the bargain. Yet we continue to go on and tell everybody what, how they're right and wrong. We continue to go on and look the spiritual walk. Oh, yeah, we go into church. Oh, yeah, God, bless, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Put my music on in the, in the car while I'm going down the road. Yes, oh, I'm blessing the Lord. Oh, don't dare cut me off because I'm going to flip you the bird and tell you how it really is and how I really feel about you. Oh, but praise God. Let me get that jam going again. And unfortunately, that's a picture of a lot of people. I'm utterly shocked at how many believers think that it's okay to swear. I'm shocked at how many people think that it's okay when the guys get alone that I'll just drop a few cuss words out because it's just the guys and we can do it then. It's no big deal. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, the word you cannot bless and curse out of the same mouth. It's utter hypocrisy. Now, I understand we've all blown up, messed up, and said something we shouldn't, but we repent and we don't justify it. But today we've gotten so confused on the holy and the unholy thing that we no longer value that which is holy that is holy anymore. And I tell you, if you think I'm just kidding, go into a modern-day church service. There's no reverence for God anymore. It's a free-for-all. Come and run around the church, jump over the pews, do whatever you feel like doing. Because, hey, you know what? As long as you feel good, you'll maybe bring a friend and we'll get some more offering. But the actual honest repentance and humility and weeping before the Lord you don't see hardly in any churches. And God's beating down the doors, saying, please let me come back in. The Lord is in the church, and the church knows him not. He's in the believers' lives, and they don't even know him. It's time to begin to respect the word of God again, to respect the things that he says, and to do those things so that God can make a new people. James, in the book of James, was so utterly true about this. He called it vain faith, or he said your faith is in vain. It's in the book of James. Turn with me to James two, chapter 2. I'd like to read just a little bit here in James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. And while you're turning there, I just want to share with you a little, a little story while you're getting to the book of James. You know, there was this businessman, and he was, he was well known for his ruthlessness, okay? But he was a Christian, though. But he was a well-known, ruthless Christian businessman. And he announced to the writer Mark Twain one time, he said this, he said, before I die, I, I want to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and I'm going to climb Mount Sinai, and there I'm going to read the Ten Commandments on top. He was telling Mark Twain this, this ruthless businessman. He, was, he, he wanted to do this as a part of his bucket list. And so Mark Twain replies back, and this is what he says. He says, you know, I have a better idea. You could just stay here in Boston and keep them. You see, this guy, he wanted to go out and, and climb to the top of Mount Sinai so everybody could get some pictures, right? Show everyone, look how holy I am. I'm on top of Mount Sinai. Oh, when I'm here, I'm going to read the Ten Commandments. Oh, yes. And then everybody, I'll be able to share this rich, powerful, spiritual story of how spiritual and wonderful I am. And Mark Twain's like, why don't you, instead of just talking about it and reading it, why don't you actually keep the commands of God and do what he asks. See, the problem was this man, he loved to hear and to talk, but he didn't want to do the things of God. 
And I, I love in the book of James, James chapter 2, if you're there already, 14, it says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which they are needful to the body, what doth it profit? James is saying, okay, all right, but I understand. What, what good is it if you talk about how great your faith is and how much you know what's going on in this world, and someone comes in and they need some help, they need some food, they're hungry and they're starving, and, and, and you just send them away simply, you know, that they can just go on about their business and don't give them something to eat. James continues on, he says, even so, faith if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that thou art one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And so James is saying, you can't just simply talk about it and know and do absolutely nothing. There's a world out there that's dying that needs to know about this life-saving message that Jesus is not only coming again, but he's going to save them, and he's going to take care of them, and he is here at this moment to rescue them from the situation that they're in. And if you can't share it with anybody, then I'm asking, what are you doing claiming you're a believer in Jesus? Your faith is in vain. You are simply someone who likes to talk and hear and doesn't want to do. Now, folks, I know this sounds tough. I'm trying to be real tonight. I'm trying to tell you straight. This cannot be. God wants us to do something about it. Make a difference in the world. It's not enough, James said, to simply believe. Folks, the devils believe and they tremble. We don't even tremble anymore at the word of God. We don't even tremble. We're so blasé sometimes about it. And it sure is reflected in some of the church services I've been to. Well, the interesting thing, it was no different in Jesus' day. It was no different when he was there. He faced the same troubles that we face today. He faced the same problems that we go through. And you remember this story when Jesus went to his own hometown. It's in Luke chapter 4, if you want to turn there with me. Jesus went home. In verse 14, it says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a famine or excuse me, went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. So here Jesus returning in the power of the Spirit. It was getting around that this was a man of God. What he could do was, uh, it was incredible. His fame began to spread around. And so here he is, he's coming home and says, and, 
And it says, and he taught in their synagogues as he was traveling around. He was being glorified of all. Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as a custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So Jesus did like he always did. He went to church and it was a Sabbath and they gave him a book to read. And in verse 17, it says, and there was delivered unto him a book from the prophet Isaiah or Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and to recover the sight to the blind, to set liberty to them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear witness him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? So here Jesus comes in. You know, he's gotten, people are starting to understand that he's been a man of God, but now he comes back to his hometown. He comes back to that church he was raised in. And here comes the Lord walking into church with a powerful message of deliverance. And when he gives this message of deliverance, they look at him and go, is this, is this Joseph's son? Is this the one that grew up around here? Is he the one that we saw the little kid working with his dad in the carpentry shop? Is this him? And Jesus knew that they were frustrated and couldn't accept who he was. I mean, can you imagine this? We always talk about, well, if Jesus, you know, if I could have just been with Jesus. Folks, I'm telling you, if Jesus came into our church, I don't even know, one, if we would know him, and two, if we would even accept him. Because when the Lord spoke a true and pure word, they did not want to hear it. Yet they called themselves a part of his home church. How many of us do the same thing? Jesus in verse 24 said, And verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Oh, how a truth that is. If you look over in the story of the same story in Matthew in chapter 13, verse 58, and it says this, very interesting, And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. See, because they refused to believe that Jesus had the authority by which he said he had. Oh, they love to come praise God, but when God shows up, they didn't want to hear it. And because they didn't believe, God didn't do any works hardly in their own town. I'm wondering if we're suffering from the same problem in our lives. Has Jesus showed up, yet we don't want to hear what he says? So Jesus decides, you know, to give them, and, and listen, listen to me on this next part close, folks. Listen to me on this. So be, this is, Jesus decides to give them a history lesson, and so he continues on in verse 25. He says, but I tell you the truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, or Elijah, when the heavens was shut up in three years and six months, and when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Serpta, or Zarephath, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias, uh, um, Elijah the prophet, or Elisha. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. 
So here, Jesus, he understands their unbelief. And so he goes and he says, you know what? I'm going to give you a little history lesson. There were a lot of widows in the days when Elijah was here on the earth. There were a lot of widows here in Israel, but God didn't send it to a widow in Israel. No, 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 no. He sent it to a widow in Zarephath, not an Israelite, a woman from Zarephath. That's who God sent it to. Because she was the one there in Zarephath that took God at his word, that made the cake when asked, that did what Elijah asked her to do in the name of the Lord. And God saved that widow and worked a mighty work, not because she was an Israelite, but because she was willing to trust in the word of God. She was not naturally born an Israelite. She was just a standard Gentile. But God was willing to share with her because she knew that her faith, and he, she was willing to do what God asked. Think about it. She was down to her last meal. Her and her son were going to eat it and then die. And here comes the Lord up through his servant, the prophet uh, Elijah, and says, listen, please bake me this cake first. Are you willing to do what God asks you to do? Are you willing to put him before your own needs? And so then he continues on Naaman. Here's Naaman. He says, oh, there was a ton of, of lepers in that time when Elisha was ministering in one of the most powerful ministries. Elisha was a powerful man of God, too. Had a gift of discernment, un, unbelievable gift of discernment. And there was all kinds of, of lepers out there. And the only one God sends to be healed is a man named Naaman from Syria. And so there was all these lepers, but no, here comes a man from outside of the area, and yes, he wrestles through it, he struggles through, and God says, Please, listen, Naaman, I know you want something great in your life. I know you want Elisha to come out and to do some great, wonderful work, but I need you to just go dip in the river seven times, and that will be enough. And he was frustrated, but finally after some counseling, he said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And he went and did it. Then he was healed, and he was so moved by this healing that he goes back to Elisha. And he says, you know what, he, you know, think about it. Naaman doesn't know the word of God hardly. He doesn't know the Torah. He doesn't know how to worship the Lord properly. And he's so moved. He says, I, I, I don't know, but I know from this point on, I will do nothing except worship God. He was so convicted that he took up a couple of bags of dirt and he hauled them home so he could make his own altar there because he was wanting to follow God no matter what. And so here's a man who didn't have all the understanding, but he was willing to do what God asked him to do. I'm wondering if we could do the same for him tonight. God is calling a people out who are not so brilliant and don't have all the knowledge necessarily, and maybe they're not scholars, and maybe they don't know Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and all that stuff, but they're willing to take the Word of God at face value. Because you know what happened here? Oh, when Jesus gave them the history lesson, oh, they were angry at Jesus for talking about this. Oh, yeah, they were ready to kill. They were ready to take him out and stone him. It says in verse 28, And all they in the synagogues, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And so when God brings a word, a true word, uh, saying, listen, here's how it is. It, what is your response? Well, I don't like that church. Uh, they asked me to follow what God says. I need a more accepting group that can let me live in the way I'm living. Or, God, I know that you're wanting me to do that, but, Lord, I'm, I don't want to do that right now. 
You know, a man came to me the other day and was talking, a, a guy I work with. And he was telling me, Frank, he's like, man, I think you, you, need, you need a new vision, man. You need, you know, he's been trying to talk me into some, some types of ministry, some thing like this. And, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this. So I was like, you know, I've got this and I've got that. And, and, and you know what he did? He, he came over to my desk and he just he picked up a marker. And he just held it right in front of me. He said, this was me, that marker. And he said, this is all God needs. And he threw it, just laid it right down in front of me. He just needs you to say, here I am, Lord, this marker. I'm willing. I'm willing. It shook me up. It shook me up. Because I think I've been making so many excuses of what I can't do. And God's calling me to do something for him more. I keep looking at my circumstances sometimes. And I say, no, I've got to do this or I've got to have this. I've got to make this to make all the ends meet so my children can go to Christian school or do all this. And all I need to do is say, God, I'm here and I'm available. I'll do what you, what you want me to do. Folks, the question is, it's not is he able, but are we willing are we willing to do what God asks us to do? It's not legalism. It's not being saved by works. Folks, you can't be saved by works. It's impossible. You're guilty before the throne room of God. Works can't save you. Only God, the blood of Jesus can save. But Paul clearly, clearly says, is Christ the minister of sin? Of course not. Yes, we're saved by grace. Because we're guilty in the throne room of God. He says we need to be justified. And you, when you stand in the throne room of God, guilty. And the Bible says that we're all guilty. All have fallen short. There's no justification for you. You can uphold the law until the cows come home. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the law in this message, but I'm just saying, when it comes to salvation, nothing can save you except the blood of Jesus Christ. And the truth is, is that nothing can help us right now in this moment in the earth's history except the blood of Jesus Christ. And are we willing vessels to do what our Heavenly Father is asking us to do? Or do we want to throw Jesus off the cliff? You know, it seems to me that there are a lot of people out there that love to criticize. Uh, I, I, folks, you know, I still attend a church. I do not reveal the denomination I am or what church I go to, uh, or anything like that, because this program is not affiliated with any of them. But I still attend so I can have fellowship with, like, with believers, and there's still a, a group of people out there. You know, we're not the only people out there. Just like Elijah, there, he, the Lord had to remind him, you know, there's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. And I still love to attend. But I find this about people in church. It seems to me, like the people that love to criticize everything that is wrong in this world and in the church are the people that are doing the least about it. Everything is going to hell in a handbasket, and yes, the wicked are doing exceedingly wicked, and this earth is so vile right now, I cannot believe God has let it continue as long as it has. 
It is an abomination, the things that are going on, not only in this country, but in the lives of believers all over the place. And I'm asking tonight, and, and I believe this is what the Word of God is asking us to do, is why don't we get out there and do something about it instead of sitting around and only listen to what someone else is doing about it or what someone else is telling on their program or some new word. Folks, there will always be a new word, but there might only be one second in somebody's life that you have an opportunity to speak a word into and send them saving message that God can use to change their life before they breathe that last breath into eternity. What are we going to do about it? There's so many things out there that are going wrong. And God is calling us to make a difference in these last days. But there is good news. There is good news. God has a plan to save his people. Jesus has a way that when you have fallen off the path, when you have gotten sidetracked in your own life, when you feel like you have diverted out, when you, when you come to that realization that, that you've been just sitting there going around in circles like Samson at the mill, and all of a sudden you know, your eyes come open and you're completely blind, right? Then you realize that you've been going round and round for all this time and, and you need to make a change in life. God has a plan. Matthew 21, starting in verse 28. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They said unto him, The first, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say, the first, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. So what Jesus is saying here, he's like, yes, okay, there's a man with two sons, you know, one said he would go, one said he wouldn't, but then he decided later he would, and the other said he would, but then he didn't. And what God's trying to get through is that no matter where you're at in life, if you will make a turnaround, if you will make a change, if you will call out to God, if you will do something about it, the Lord will be there and he will start you over again. God is willing and able and ready. And folks, we got to be ready to do what God asks us to do. Folks, following what the Lord said is not legalism. Being obedient is not legalism. Doing what the Word of God asks is not legalism. Doing the right thing. Because when you are in love with Jesus, you will love to do the things that He asks. I mean, that's why, that's the great thing about, about the new covenant. The Bible says that God put His laws in our heart, meaning that it's a part of us now. It's not grievous to do the things of God. It's a joy. 
It's not a pain. That's man-made garbage that they tried to inflict on us, that people were so beaten down when Jesus came, they totally misunderstood the truth of God's commands. And Jesus came to restore to the right way that following him is a joy and it is a love and it is a good thing. Now, folks, we're coming to the end of the show tonight. And I've been talking to people. These are hard times. There's some people out there with some cries so deep and so dark in their heart that they don't even know how to share them with anybody. There's some of you might be listening right now that you're so bound up in sin that you're so ashamed to even tell one person about it that you feel like you can never break free. There's some of you out there that have been living this hypocrisy of that, I'm so good, I've got it all together, yet what is truthfully going on in your life says the exact opposite. But we still have an intercessor. And God is still on the throne. Folks, I don't care where you're at right now at this moment. I remember I was in a church and I was, I was sharing my story about God saving my life from drugs and everything and how he saved my family and all the miracles that God had done. And, and, and I remember afterwards, I went to the back of this place. They said, hey, you need to come talk to this woman. She's, she's a real mess right now. And I, so I went back there. I talked to her, and she was completely crying all over the place. She was, just a, she was, in, she was crying so hard. And so I went back there and I talked to her and she's like, look, I've been snorting coke. I've been doing this. I messed up on this and I messed up. And I just sat there and I listened to her. And I let her just continue to unload all this garbage that she was doing. And I remember I looked at her at the end and I said, look, nothing you just said shook me. Nothing you just said scared me. Because I knew that the power of God was able to save that woman right there. And I shared with her the good news of what Jesus can do. Now folks, I don't know which one of you are in that situation. Maybe it's not drugs. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's some other form of whatever it might be that you're struggling with right now or maybe that you know that your life is a sham and you're the biggest hypocrite that's ever been there folks we're all hypocrites at times okay come on we got room for one more hop in here but the fact is is when we understand our hypocrisy we don't continue in it we repent from it and we ask god to deliver it Stop telling your family members that everything's so great in your family and you're so spiritual when you're not. Start getting right with God and watch Him make the change and they will sense that things have changed in your life. But what do you do? What do you do when you hit bottom? What do you do when you have completely backslidden to the point where you feel like, you know, I can no longer talk to God. Uh, my prayers, Frank, they're not, even, they're not even getting past the ceiling. Has anybody ever felt like that before? 
Have you ever felt like you keep trying to pray, but God's not hearing you? Like nothing, nothing could ever, you know, nothing can ever make it out of this room that I'm in because I'm so sinful that God doesn't love me or hear me anymore. In Jeremiah 3, in verse 13, it says this, Only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord and scattered thy ways among the strangers and under every green tree, and that thou hast not, have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. So God says, listen, when you're in that mess, backslidden state, and you feel like you've really, really messed it up this time, God says the first thing you've got to do is confess it. Acknowledge it. Quit trying to hide it. God knows where you've been. God understands the compromise you've been living in. He knows where you've been failing and you've been acting like you're not. He says, only acknowledge thine iniquity. God's waiting for you to just come completely clean. Because when you can come completely clean, He can deal with the problem. Then He says, turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. For I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And God says, listen, turn back to me. There's, uh, there's something special. I love you. Here he's saying, I'm married to you. Now, there's a lot more to that in the book of Jeremiah that I can't get in. But God is desiring for you to come back here. And in verse 22, this is the part that I love the most. Return, in verse 22, return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. So God says you're completely, utterly beyond help, right? You're messed up. You don't know what to do. The works, none of your works can save you. But God says, if you turn back to me, unto me, I will heal your backslidings. Did you catch that, folks? God didn't ask you to heal yourself. God didn't ask you to get yourself right. God didn't ask you clean yourself up. He says, I will heal your backslidings. It's God's job. Your job is to turn back to him, confess it, repent of it, seek his face, and it says he will heal the backslidings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're struggling with smoking, turn to God, seek him, claim his promise, and say, God, you said that you would heal my backslidings. Lord, I can't overcome these cigarettes right now. I need you to do it for me. If you're struggling with some other sin, I don't care what it is. I, don't, I just name cigarettes, whatever. It's, all, it's sin, right? It doesn't matter. God's saying, come back to me. And if, Frank, you've been making up excuses to why you can't do certain things, come back to me. I will heal your backslidings. I'm going to end with prayer tonight. Prayer for the backslider. Prayer for the one who can't get broken through. Prayer for the one who feels like God doesn't love him anymore. The Lord is clear. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Folks, if you end up lost at the end of time, it will be your own fault. Because God has been beating 
at the door nonstop. We saw it in the most reprehensible church in all of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, the church in Laodicea, and God says, I'm not giving up yet. I'm not stopping knocking. Yes, you're so messed up, you don't even know you're messed up, yet I'm still beating at the door. That's the love of the Father that we serve. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for those who are specifically struggling right now. Lord, you are calling us at this moment to turn our hearts back to you. And Lord, there are so many people out here, they want to turn to you. They want to do the right thing, but they feel like they can't, God. Because they feel like they've sinned so much. And here in your word, you said, just confess it. Just tell him about it. Come to Jesus openly and tell him, tell him what you've done wrong. Father, we heard your promise, and then you said if we would do that, that you would heal our backslidings. And Lord, I pray for those that feel like they can't be healed, Lord, to remind them that you promised that you would take those sins and you would cast them away. And when they ask for forgiveness and they turn from them and the devil tries to remind them, Lord, and you're saying, what sin are you talking about? I told you I cast that thing away. I don't have it anymore. You asked me to forgive you. Lord, I pray you would touch them right now. I pray for that person, Lord, who just feels like, like, like they've been struggling for so many years. They've almost lost their fight, and they don't have much more left in them. God, strengthen them right now. Lord, send your spirit. Send a holy angel like you did to Daniel to touch them, Lord God. To send, send them some strength, Lord, right now, because they need you at this moment. Lord, I just pray and repent of my own hypocrisy in my own life, Lord. Or I've done things that were wrong, or I've, I've not believed, or I've made up excuses, God. I repent of that and confess it and ask that you'd forgive and cleanse. Lord, I thank you that you've warned your people for the hour that we live in and that we don't have to move forward in fear, but we can fall upon the perfect love of Jesus. Father, hide us under your wings. Draw us in close. Get on the name above every name. The name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Savior of the world, the one who suffered and died for us, the one who, that while we were yet sinners, died for us. That's the one whose name, Heavenly Father, I ask it in. Amen. Folks, thank you all for the emails. Thank you for those who have, who have sent me messages. I've tried to respond, respond. There's one person out there, I think, brother, if I, I, I'm going to get back to you. I've tried to get back to all of them. I, send me an email, remnantcall uh, at outlook.com, and I will respond to you as soon as I can. Folks, we're in this together. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus, and we're going to make this thing. We are here to the end because God said he wouldn't leave us nor forsake us, that he will be there through us and in our darkness darkest hour the light of god will shine in our hearts if we will trust in him and this is brother frank with the remnant call saying good night and shalom
Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.